The Guardians of the Galaxy were never that popular a group. And then boom, James Gunn makes them equals with Cap, Spider-Man, and everyone else. People were officially anticipating Volume 2. Then, it was a little disappointing. It looked really good, it was really funny, it was exceptionally another space opera that answered a lot of questions from the first one. But it fell into the same trap that Thor Love and Thunder did five years later. It took the few elements that people loved about the first one and dragged them out way too far. This was an incredibly emotion-driven film, but Gunn inserted far too much humor at the expense of the story. Every dramatic scene was undercut with stupid jokes. It didn't flow the same way as the first. It takes place months after the first one, which makes the emotion between the newly found friends a lot more poignant. We end the last one assuming there'll be a great match and a new super team, but there's still a lot of things to work through with this motley crew of heroic criminals. Now, is it crazy to say this is the most sequel-esque of any MCU sequel? I think that's fair. It's the only one that picks up directly from the last one without something in between. It's the only one that goes from one to two without worrying about the larger universe. But ultimately, it was a letdown. The emotion in this one is what makes it good. Between Quill and Gamora, and Yondu and Rocket and Ego, and separately between Drax and Mantis and Gamora and Nebula. So why did Gunn make it take a back seat to the humor? Thank you guys once again for coming back to listen to the Wrong Opinion MCU Rewatch. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 2, a movie I really liked. Super fun, but a little disappointing and a little too goofy. A lot of flaws. Uh, what do you think about Amazing Grace Clark? It is one of my favorite Marvel movies. I love it so much. I like how it's super funny, but also super emotional. And I personally feel like it's the perfect combination of the two. Okay, so you thought it was more a little more Ragnarok than Love and Thunder? Yeah. Okay. See, I thought it, I'm going to get into this a lot. I just think the timing was off with so many things, so many jokes were just placed. There's one point I said, actually, I'm just going to bring it up right now. I think that it's really good when you undercut humor with drama. I think that's a good dramatic comedy, right? When there's something funny happening and then something dramatic gets in the way. I think this movie falls into the trap too often of having drama get interrupted by comedy. Yeah. And I think I that's where it's... the timing goes off. Um, if you think the timing was good, though, then all power to you will get more into it. And these are a little more exciting, too, when we uh, disagree about movies, so. Let's hop into it. What's your first award for the night, Maisie Grace? Let's see. Why don't we go with the Taika Waititi Award for funniest moment? A lot of funny moments in here. Uh, you go first. Um, so I originally had like a huge giant list of like <laughs> anytime, <laughs> anytime I would like laugh out loud. Um, but I honestly like can't really decide. I love the entire intro. Oh, where yes. they're like fighting and then Groot's dancing and then like Drax like looks at him and Groot like Groot, like stops. Um, but prop, I also really like um when at the end when there's like this emotional like slow motion, Im um important like music and everyone's kind of like posed in a really cool way and then Mantis just gets hit by a rock. Oh, uh, that and was then funny she, like, too. Falls over. <laughs> Yeah, um, those are two really good timing ones because the first one, it's like fake drama because it's not really dramatic. It's an opening scene, you know, it's not going to be the main story. So yeah. they can definitely get put comedy in the way and that's fine. And then the last one, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was like after 
they'd already saved the world, right? Like every, everything is safe now. So it was like a little bit of, am I right? Well, it kind of like, it's kind of like when in Infinity War, when they almost had the glove off and then Quill like punches in the face, like they almost had it. And then something bad happens where they lose it. Okay. And that was, she was like keeping um, Ego asleep. And then she gets hit by a rock and lets go of him. Because she like stood up and then everything. I remember that point being really, really funny. So then, you know, big three them because I laughed and remembered it as a funny point. I just don't remember if it was bad timing or not. It was horrible timing because okay. that's when Ego gets awakened. Okay, awakened. yeah. See, that that's kind of the issue with this then. But that, again, funny movie that I, or funny part that I remember. Do you have more uh, Taika Waititi awards? Uh, that's it. Okay. Because I, I, I kind of had to narrow it down. <laughs> I had a couple too. I had so many cut them down. I also put that opening scene, but not for the group dancing. The cutting the monster from the inside was so oh, yeah. funny to me because it's making fun of like 90% of monster movies, right? Yeah. That opening fight scene was hilarious top to bottom. And then the the annulary bat- batteries, which is like, <laughs> it's pronounced harbulary batteries. That It was kind of funny the first time, and then funnier the second time, and then I think they went a third time, and it's even funnier. That's That's, I think, the best kind of humor when it keeps... When it's like a little bit funny the first time, and then they drag it out until it's even funnier. Yeah. I think the best, though, Groot continuously getting the wrong thing when looking for the arrow. <laughs> yeah. That one, that because it was so well-timed, because again, it's not getting in the way of the drama, and then the drama undercuts the comedy there. You know, Sean yeah. uh, uh, Craglin, he comes in, and he saves the day. He's like, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this. I didn't want everybody to die. I just wanted a little... My voice hurt or whatever. That's how you incorporate humor in a drama. Is you put the put the comedy first and then stick the drama in rather than trying to interrupt the comedy. I just love like all like the little banters. Like when they were like when they were talking about the tape or when he like uh, yeah. called Rocket a trash panda. Like all the little things where it's kind of like in like my favorite comedy shows, like New Girl, where they just like keep on going like a little bit longer than they should have in the arguments. Yeah. But it's just so funny. Yeah, and I think that's a good point to check down this too, because a lot of the banter was like real, like they were they were actually arguing. It was kind of funny for our sake, but like in universe, they were hurting each other's feelings. That was a big part of this movie, was getting them to um, like you know they argue, they fight, they gotta get along eventually. Cross that off, and I am going to go with the. I got the Hawkeye Award. I didn't have an awesome answer for the Hawkeye Award, so I'm going to go with that. Okay. If you have a good one, because normally with the Hawkeye Award, it's like a line, right? Some line that's like a little bit cheesy, but it kind of inspires you and you want to go like, you know, save the world or work out or vote or something. Yeah. Um, But there, it, there wasn't a line, just Quill's rage when he finds out that Ego killed his mom. I think that was kind of like mildly inspiring. Like that scene was so well done and the timing of, of Kurt Russell's little half monologue there and the score alongside it. He just has a subtle and nuanced acting that it's it just so so good, and it prepa- it really prepares us for that uh, rage out against Thanos. You know, yeah. it's, it's that same kind of vibe, right? He's like fighting somebody. It doesn't make any sense. Just as stupid, but in this one, it's seen as a positive, and that one is seen as negative, which is kind of odd. But it was kind of I don't know inspiring. He's like, I don't care that you're a god. I'm gonna shoot you and and try to take you on because you killed my mom, and that's not cool. Um, I actually tweeted my- that. Uh, I tweeted um, watching Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, watching Peter Quill shoot a god because he killed his mom and wondering why people think him clocking Thanos was out of character. 
Yeah, it was definitely in character. Definitely in character. The most in character thing it's ever done. My, I have two. Mine is like the first one is um, like throughout the whole movie, you kind of see like Nebula and Gamora. Like Nebula is so hateful towards Gamora, and then they have like that conversation where Nebula is like, "You just want always wanted to win, and I just wanted a sister." And then at the end, where like Gamora hugs Nebula, I really like that. That was like. Yeah. All right, your second Hawkeye award. Oh, um, okay. The second one is Yandu getting the Ravager funeral. Yeah, that last scene I absolutely loved. I'll talk about this later, but the last, the big fight, I hated a lot. But that, like, ending scene, the actual last scene, that was so, it was beautiful, and it was, I don't know, a little bit inspiring, yeah. I love that last scene. I think if we're talking, let's real quick try to rank on the off the top of our heads, best last scenes in Marvel movies. I think Infinity War. I think this. Yeah. I think I think Civil War. And I think uh the first Avenger. Just pulling those out of the top of my head. What do you think? Uh you you really remembered those quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it's it's gotta be movies that are either that either end with action like Infinity War or if they do it like this one, where it's kind of like this wrap-up summation, um, and it all all pretty bow. It's got to be really, really good because like Avengers ended up with a pretty you know nice bow. But I don't think it was you know it wasn't that awesome an ending. It just you know, and then even Endgame it had a uh, really good summation, but it was more close than the entire thing just as a movie wasn't that awesome. Yeah, um, I thought of those really quick, and I'm actually impressed with myself. If you don't have, it, that's okay. I can't even think right now. <laughs> but you like this one, right? Yeah, I did. Um, Captain Marvel Award for character that inexplicably didn't help save the world. Ooh, another one I didn't have a great answer for. Hmm. Um, I said Mantis. Oh, okay. How's that? Um, okay. So, yes, she warned them about Ego, but it was a little too late and everyone had already kind of figured it out. Like, she kind of saved a little bit of time. But most people had already known about Ego by then. Yeah, then, like, at that point, Rocket is already coming because he knows from, from right. Yondu. P- uh, Ego tells Peter anyway, right? So there's nothing so there. So it was pretty much just Drax and Gamora. Yeah. So and them Gamora, finding out wasn't really necessary because Peter wasn't going to listen to them. Yeah, Gamora already... already found the dead bodies, too. <laughs> yeah. So she doesn't, like, know what's going on. But she's like, this is weird. Yeah. So, um, um, And then, yeah, yes, one. she held Ego, like, she kind of helped saves some time by putting him to sleep and then she gets hit in the head with a rock and he wakes up before Groot can put the bomb in his brain yeah and then like she didn't real she didn't do any really fighting and then once she gets hit by the rock she's knocked out so then Drax has to take her back to the ship so she just kind of she saved a little bit of time but in retrospect like she really didn't do much they I think that's the best answer I think you're right because she she did help Kind of, but none of it actually helped, you know? They could have easily won without her. Yeah, like, I, I think she's really important for the story, and she's really interesting yeah. character, so I like her being in. But if you kind of take her out, the plot still happens the same, you know? Yeah. But that's not saying I don't want her, because I like her a lot. Yeah, I just said, just like the first one, there's not a really good option, because they don't know anybody, anybody else, know what to call. So I was thinking of people outside the Guardians. But yeah, Mantis, yeah. That, was, that was an awesome, that was a really good pick. All right, I'm going to go with the... uh <laughs> 
I'm gonna go with the She-Hulk award for question for answers to questions that don't need to be asked, aka half-baked theories. Now, this is actually not one from this movie, it's one from before, but it answered like a classic question from 2014 to 2016. I I I loved this question. People on online asked this question. I thought it was really cool and I stuck with it. But is Stan Lee a watcher? Is he Uatu? Because it, it was like I mean, and then he was, right? Like in this one, he was hanging out with the watchers and he was talking about yeah. how he was in those different situations. So it's kind of a funny Easter egg in this. That's basically what it boiled down to. But I like begged for it to be canon. Um, and then, you know, it was. I, I love that. Um, do you think Ego changes his form to match the child he's meeting every time? I think like 100%. When, yeah, because yes. when he's a Peter, he's human. Um, and yeah, then... They're not... I, I'm going to touch on that. That's a good point. Because they're not all his same form, right? Right. And Kurt Russell, as Kurt Russell, looks like typical, strong, big, you know, Republican dad. And I feel like Star-Lord's a Republican. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think he perfectly fits the kind of father that he's looking for. And then, of course, he changed to uh, yeah. David Hasselhoff at one point, too. But I think he definitely changes everyone. So that's a good question. Will the High Priestess be an important aspect in Guardians of the Galaxy 3? So I always forget about her until like I watch the end credit scenes and everything. And I'm quite certain, I am 100% sure that she's going to be like the big antagonist of the third movie. Yeah, she's uh, she made Adam Warlock. And he's, mm-hmm. he's been in trailers and stuff. I avoid looking at trailers. So I like knowing as little as I can until the movie starts. I don't know yeah. if she'll actually be in it. So that's a good question. But Adam Warlock will definitely. I can imagine she'll be in it too. The creation she made is going to be there. I feel and like my speculation have... would have been like a lot cooler if the trailers hadn't already kind of come out. <laughs> and Adam uh, or Will Poulter was cast as him a while ago. And honestly, too, I'm going to keep this in because it's kind of funny at this point now, but this might end up airing after Guardians of the Galaxy. Actually, no, it's not, so never mind. That'll be in May. Never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> okay. Right, take that part out. Okay. Best one-off character? Okay. I have a horrible answer for this, but we got to do it. Okay, this is the uh, first Avenger Award, the best one-off character. Um, So there really aren't really any one-off characters because almost everyone that's in this movie was in the first movie. I think you're forgetting think... one really huge one, but I could go. Well, Ego, obviously. Yeah, but you uh, go. But he's a villain. He can't be the best. He could definitely be the best. Okay, a villain whatever. can't be the best Okay, you can, your answer can be Ego. Okay. My answer will be Kraglin. He was, so he was in the first movie, but he yeah. really wasn't like, he was like a background character. Now he's like more important. And he was really important to helping them, like everyone get safe and not die. And he like, even though he kind of started the revolt against Yondu, he like was like showed that like, he just was unhappy about how Yondu was treating them. But yeah, he loved that Yondu. one little line he said was like, I just want to talk about stuff. I don't want a, a freaking mutiny. This was went way too far, even though he's basically the one that started it. That that was a really good, again, a really good emotional thing in this movie. I left him out in the beginning, naming off important emotional connections. But him and Yondu is a huge one of this. Yeah, and he kind of like, it was like good that he like took responsibility of that. And was like, yeah, I started it. I didn't mean to, but yeah. yeah so that was my answer. Either. Cool. That was the wrong opinion. I do love Craglin. I think he peaks in this, so I'm gonna he's gonna be in another word for me. But I mean this is 
his second of gonna be four on this year plus holiday special movies um i think it's clearly ego i don't know like he's so good in this kurt russell is throwing fire he makes his movie at least 10 percent better he's one of the top top bad guys in the mcu like i don't i don't know i mean there's a couple people that might be on the same level of him as him but he's nobody's better than him his character is charming and fun but he somehow switches it to evil without changing any characterization He's like he goes from perfect TV dad to Darth Vader in like minutes. Like I thought he this was one of my favorite portrayals in any MCU movie. And you know, fifteen years from now, because the Black Panther movies are starting to make a little, uh, a little set a little precedent. But fifteen years from now, I think there's going to be a third category, uh, drama comedy. I think they're going to add action movies, and Kurt Russell would have won a Best Supporting Actor if. Yeah, but he's a villain. He can't be the best. <laughs> he can't be the best. Was he Ledger not the best part of the Dark Knight? Okay, I guess. I'll admit, oh. I did have the wrong opinion on that. <laughs> I understand you're. Uh, you you want to you want to stick to the good guys, <laughs> heroes. But come on. Uh, and then I also I wanted to say Sly Stallone, but he really stuck stuck in this movie. Like, I, I feel like he was having a lot of fun, and it was kind of cool to see Rocky, so, you know, all the power to him, but it was just not a good portrayal. And then, last one, did you notice the dude from New Girl? What dude? The homeless guy from New Girl? Oh, I recognize, or the, the um outside Dan, outside Dave. Yeah, outside Dave, he's one of the Ravagers. Oh, I like recognized him, and I was like, where do I recognize that guy from? Yeah, there you go. Interesting. So he gets a, he gets a call out here. Outside Dave. We've referenced New Girl twice in this one podcast. Um, I'm going to pick the uh, Infinity Saga Award for the most frustrating MacGuffin, because I think you have a good answer for this one. You texted me about it. Um, I said the Anulax batteries, Harbulary batteries, whatever. <laughs> the fact that those are two are so different words. <laughs> Anulax, Harbulary. <laughs> I'm just thinking about him repeating it. These are called Anulax batteries. Arbulary batteries. That is nothing close to what I just said. <laughs> That's yeah, okay. That wins that wins the <laughs> retroactively wins the Taika Waititi award. Yes, I'm still laughing at it. They're not really all that important. They steal it, they get chased, and then the chase brings us to ego, and then um the, the high priestess hatred of uh of the guardians leaves Siandu to get there. And so it's yeah, it's 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 like one little filler into the rest of the stuff. So, you know, it's forgivable, but whatever. I said the fact that Peter has powers. That's a good one. Because, like, he ends up losing his powers in the end. Yeah. Because, and it really, like, it honestly doesn't make any huge effect. Like, he's still part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And he really doesn't care that he's lost these powers. Like, he's still a good fighter. And he, like, does well. And the only important thing about him having powers is that ego chose to keep him but ego would have tried to kill him anyway because he tried to kill all his other children so well i don't think he would have tried to kill him because the other ones didn't carry the gene and that's why he killed him so i don't think he would have killed peter but well if if peter didn't carry the gene he would have tried to kill him oh if he didn't okay i gotcha yeah i'm gonna edit that out (laughs) 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 that's i think that's a really good pick because it is something that it, it drives the plot forward It's a little more interesting than the most frustrating of MacGuffins. So if we're saying like the actual most frustrating MacGuffin, it's not really that frustrating. 
yeah. but it is one that it, it dies kind of quickly so i think that was a really really good pick. Excuse character me. cinematic peak ragnarok award for characters cinematic peak all right who you got i think i have i have two and a half here i said yondu okay because i mean he like peaks and then ends because he dies um yes. but in the first <laughs> short movie, in the first movie you don't really see like like you can see that he loves peter but you don't like see how much like like you you just see him like evolve and see how much he cares for peter and how much he actually like wants to help the guardians and everything yeah and he just like helps him win and then he dies in a heroic way so he kind of like peaks at his end yeah i think yandu's an interesting case because i mean he's definitely I mean, he's the funniest here, and he's the most heroic here, and we like him the most here. And but I think he ki- kind of peaks as a villain, not necessarily a villain in the first one, but peaks as a bad guy. And um, I think it's more that he he peaks on a rewatch of the first Guardians because of his character change here. So he like retroactively peaks in the first Guardians. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's. I think his characterization here is better, and we like him more. And that makes it better when we see him as a bad guy who's trying to act like he's more of a bad guy. He's saying he's going to eat Peter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I that's a good pick, but I think he retroactively peaks in the first. So he like peaks as a person in this movie, but like as a character, when you go back, he peaks in the first one. <laughs> yeah. As an actual person, as a guy you want to hang out with, he peaks. Yeah. I, I wrote, I said Yondu kind of maybe, sure. Um, and then Kraglin, I think, clearly peaks because he gets more screen time, basically, and then the first one. And then by uh, Love and Thunder, he's part of the Guardians, and that's cool. So I think he'll peak a little bit later. Um, but so far, he's peaked, he's peaked here. Mantis, she was really dropped in her next three appearances in terms of, like, screen time and importance. So, yeah, I think she's the most interesting here. Like, she knows what he goes up to. She's starting to befriend the Guardians. It can't help but reveal the secrets to them. I think she definitely peaked on the Christmas special, but if you're talking like cinematically, I think it's definitely here rather than, you know, she doesn't do anything in Endgame. She is for some reason fighting alongside all the other heroes, even though she can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, and then she's kind of, she's pretty important in Infinity War and then Love and Thunder, she's barely in. So I think she peaks here. And then, um, and one more. Oh, I said Drax's humor peaks here. He doesn't peak here, but his humor peaks here. So listen back to the first one. Um, talk, I'm, I'm talking about how Drax gets worse as a character, and it's fine because we like him, but he turns into comic relief. And in this one, his comic relief peaks, and then later keeps you know, going more and more until it's uh, a little absurd. He peaked as a straight man, but his humor, he's the funniest in this one. Does that make sense? Yes, cool. I get that. All right. We're going to go with the, we're putting on this, this is the most important one. We always put it off too long. I am Iron Man Award, the best single line. So I don't, this probably isn't my favorite line. It's not like the coolest line, but it, I think it's the line that like kind of, when you think about this movie, it's the most memorable line. He may be your father boy, but he ain't your daddy. Like that's not like the best line, but I think it's the one that I think about the most when I think about this movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I actually had that one. Oh, really? Well, I had two. And that was one of them. What was the other one? My other one is Welcome to the Frickin' Guardians of the Galaxy, only he didn't say frickin'. I hated that line. If they just kept it, leave it, like <laughs> left it at, Welcome to the Frickin' Guardians of the Galaxy. 
But then they had to add, but he didn't say frickin'. Like, you're so cool, man. I mean, yeah, like, the the only he didn't say frickin' kind of ruined it. Yeah. But the first part, I liked it. Like, they're yeah. embracing Yandu right before he dies. Yeah, and, and they all think they're gonna die, he's too. He's got his little shoulder, and he's looking so cute. Yeah, I think that would have taken it if it didn't get ruined by only he didn't say frickin'. <laughs> Just imagine a little baby group saying the F word. <laughs> All right. Um, Age of Ultron Award for this is way cooler after seeing the next five movies. I have two. First one is Stanley's cameo is him talking to the watcher watchers. Yes, there's more than one, but like comic nerds probably noticed it way before most people did. Um but, like, after you watch What If, like, it's not technically the next five movies. It's, like, a random TV show. But after yeah. you watch What If, and then you go back and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's The Watcher. And I was like, because, like, BJ no probably noticed it way before I did. But I was oh, watching yeah. this with BJ. And I was like, like, BJ, that's The Watcher. He's like, yeah. But I was like, it's really cool. <laughs> like, you don't notice it. That's why so I that like my first one. I like doing some of these with like you, like me and BJ are kind of on the same level of comics, comic knowledge. Uh, and then Ricky's like far above it, ab- above where we are. And then you and Josh don't really know much about comics. So it's funny, yeah. like, like, yeah, that's obviously The Watcher. And then you're like, oh, I know him from that show, What If? And I'm like, yeah, I know him from all the thousands of comics he's in. Yeah. You know? Um, and then my second one is Nebula specifically's hatred for Thanos would be a lot more emotional after literally like, seeing how horrible she was treated in Endgame when she's like like when he's like using her to like watch you know the people and she's like hung up and everything yeah like, I feel like if you are watching this and you see Endgame and you see how she's treated and then you come back and see like how much she hates him and like how emotional she gets over him like it's like it's a lot more effective and a lot more emotional yeah it's a really sad relationship because you know there's a lot of I, I it's it's you know father daughter but it's way more like it, it vibe wise, it seems like, you know, 45 year old man, 20 year old girlfriend that's in complete control of him, but she yeah. can't let him go. That's that's the kind of vibe it feels like. What about you? So I said, I, I love the relationship between Quill and Gamora in this one. Because a lot of the MCU, it skips over that developing phase, you know, but this is kind of like Tony and Pepper in, in Iron Man 2. But I think it's a thousand times better. Like there's jealousy, there's stolen glances, there's held hands and all the fun stuff of like falling in love. Like, looking back, after having seen Infinity War way more times than Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, it's just cool to see it all in, like, development, you know? Because you don't see that yeah. very often in the MCU. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then the line, so Quill says, I'm half human, and then she says, that's the part I'm worried about. I kind of forgot about that line, but that's got to be callback, right? Do you remember that line in, in Infinity War? I don't. Yeah, he says, uh, so I'm he says to Tony, I'm 50% human. So that part of me that's stupid, that's 100% um, you, right? Yeah. So I, that, I think that was a callback, right? Ooh, I'm going to do poorly aged CGI. So that first monster, this is like just the touch. That first monster, it looked pretty good for a little bit. Like I, most of the CGI in this one was really, really good. But then the, just one little part, Gamora is like slicing his neck and sliding down, you know? It looked so bad right there. It looked like yeah, and his animation. blood's like splattering. It looked yeah. horrible. That's just one part I can see still really, really deeply, and it's so bad. And there's a lot of 
scenes on Eagles Planet that didn't look very good. It looked, it looked like it was on a kid's theater stage. Like, they have, like, yeah. all the important stuff. And then they tried too hard to make it look really cool, but they didn't do any details of the background. So it looked like it was just a bad stage. And then the, I think the final fight scene, there was so much. I'm not even going to pick every single part. But I, I hated that final fight scene, and there was a lot of bad CGI in it. Yeah, I agree. Oh, specifically, actually, the, every part where it had Ego as, you know, the skeleton, and it was, like, glowing blue, that always looked really, really bad. Yeah, it looked weird. Yeah. Um, I, said, I also said the monster at the beginning from, like, Gamora slicing him to him dying. Like, it just looked... It didn't look realistic. I mean, obviously, it's not going to look realistic. It's monster. What's a realistic it, monster it look, like... look like as it gets sliced by a <laughs> green warrior? Yeah, but it like it like definitely just looked like not good. Yeah. yeah. You get what I'm saying. Um, What age is the best and the worst? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I need to say something. <laughs> um, okay. So the worst slash ironic um is when uh i don't know the character's name but sylvester sloan says you'll never hear the horns of honor what i don't remember it either go ahead okay you'll never hear the horns of honor or whatever when you die i couldn't remember the exact quote but you get what i'm saying and then yandu ends up getting this big ceremony when he dies (laughs) i don't think that ages badly that was just It ages badly for that specific character's brain, but not the movie in general. But okay, it's a funny pick. Um, okay, and then ages the best is Nebula being so driven to kill Thanos, and then she ends up helping everyone like defeat him in the end. Yeah, like multiple times, right? Like Thor obviously swung the swung the axe to kill Thanos, but she was there, and then in the end, she was in the final fight, and she killed her the past version of herself. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that is that's actually a really good aging well part. I just had an aging worse, honestly, because I think this movie doesn't age greatly. But Quill being a demigod was never really touched again, minus like a, a joke in Infinity War. Him being um, a what? Like a demigod, you know. Oh. Having the, the genes of a of a celestial. Yeah, I just like didn't they, hear the word you said. Yeah, they lazily just said here, like, hey, yeah, if you kill me, your powers are gone, and then it's never there again. It's like, yeah. It doesn't really age well having like a small power, not even a, a huge power that's smallly touched upon for one movie and then they take it away, and then he's just normal. And then I like there's a lot of funny stuff that ages well in this one and the relationships, and all well, that's it. The, the relationships all age so so well because this came out three years after Guardians of the Galaxy, but it only takes place a couple months after. And then the yeah. next time we see them, it's years later and they're so developed, and we got to see them in this part with all the rough start uh, all the rough parts of relationship building so that, that ages really really well yeah i agree all right let's do the eternals award or could this have been a limited series i say yes just like the first one i mean it, it'd be season two like gardens would be number one this would be season two if it came out just right now and just like the first one it's very removed from the main storyline it's more emotion driven I think it would definitely be a limited series. Um, I agree. I think like their, I like what you said, like their relationship dynamics and the fact that it's really not involved with anything else. It'd be a great series. Plus like there's just so much content that goes on in this group. Like, like it wouldn't be boring. Like you could do so much with 
like their relationships and what they do and all that stuff. Yeah. I think it would be a great show. All right. Let's do picking it. First one is you kind of think that when Gamora finds um the cave with all the dead children. Yeah. Like, you kind of assume that like if you're on Ego's planet and like you're like literally on him, like he'd notice, you know? Like I, hmm. I just feel like Ego has no sense of what's going on on a planet that's literally made of him. Yeah. I'm going to, this is something I just thought about. So I'm going to give you a, I'm going to argue a little bit. I'm going to give you like a, a, a rebuttal. Maybe like his, it's so overwhelming to know what's going on constantly all over the planet. Like he chooses to focus all his brain power just on where he is. So does, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I guess that makes sense. But I don't know. He's that powerful. I don't know. That's that's gonna be my excuse for that. But that's yeah. That's that's a good knit. Alright. And then my other one is kind of like when everyone's like for Titanic, everyone's like, Jack could have fit on the box or whatever. Like I feel like when Rocket gives Yondu one spacesuit and one flying thingy, I feel like he could have had enough time to like run up to the ship, grab another one, come back down and give it to Yondu. Yeah, I mean, is that the last one they had at all? I can't imagine that. They're not very I, I don't, space he, consuming, right? Yeah. So they, there's got to be more. So that, that makes sense. Like and they and, had so much time for him to like tell everyone, like, I can't lose another friend. You know, like you had so much time to tell everyone that you're not going back for Quill because you don't want to lose any more friends. Like you could have taken all that time to grab a spacesuit and go give one to Yonder. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. I, I've said this a couple times, but it's one of my nits. It's similar to Love and Thunder, where there's too much action and drama undercut by humor. Like, this one was at least way funnier than Love and Thunder, so it's, like, way more forgivable. It was a way better movie. That's the only really, like, huge issue. It just happens every single scene. Um, Another nit. <laughs> this one's stupid. Ego says, or e- Ego saves them from the fleet of the of the gold people. <laughs> Uh, Rocket says, who's that? Quill says, who cares? Why would you not care? That's like a crazy thing that just happened. Plus, your life yeah. is saved. Like, <laughs> weird. Um, yeah, weird. Yondu's slaughter scene, his his arrow. I'm, I'm probably going to do cheesiest and best spicings next, so we'll talk about it. But his arrow scene where he's going through the entire building, that was so cool. But there's a lot of, like, guys running away from the arrow rather than just shooting Yandu. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's kind of a common trope, I think, in movies. But it was really cool, so I don't really care. But it's just a classic issue that you see all the time. We're, like, running away from the arrow where you just shoot the bad, or shoot, not the bad guy, but shoot Yandu. Yeah. And that last one, huge one. Why did Ego ever tell Quill that he killed his mom? He should have, like, died with that secret. Right? Yeah. That was insane. But it was, it was I've said this before, but it was really well done. Awesome timing in that scene, but just terrible character mistake. I agree. Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm just going to go right into it. Cheesiest fight scene, best fight scene. Yondu Slaughter of all the defectors, all the mutineers. So freaking fun. Um, the arrows, it was, the arrow with the fin, it was kind of featured in one small scene in the first. I talked about this with Ricky, but there was a lot of threat of it. And then when it finally came to fruition, it was awesome. Um, but this one ups the ante so freaking much. Just with this one scene, it was an incredible scene. One of my favorite scenes in the MCU. Um, 
And then Rocket's trap that kills like a horde of the Rad Ravagers when he protects the broken ship. That was really good top to bottom because it kind of shows his value to the Guardians. He's so smart and prepared. You, it, it was really scored and shot really well too. Like it was just cinematically awesome. But you think he's done for until you realize everything's go going according to his plan right up until the point you see that his uh his humming or whatever singing is being recorded yeah you know what i mean it, or it was recorded being played and then when he's caught he straight up like beats a dude to death like you see just how like valuable he actually is you know i'll let you do uh best fight scenes and then we'll both do cheesiest okay best like for the action and everything the best one is what you said the one with yandu's arrow and like that was so cool how it like goes into one TV and out another. That was cool. Um, but probably my favorite is the first, just because it's so funny. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was yeah. I do like those like low stakes fun fight scenes yeah. where nothing really matters, but it's like just fun action. Yeah. So those were my best. Go. The worst, definitely the last. I hated that last fight scene. It went so long. They kept like throwing in like curveballs to make it more interesting, but it just made it drag it out longer. Yeah, um, there kept being like conversations where it's like, do, do we need to talk right now? Like, this is a 10 minute conversation in the middle of a fight scene. Like, I kind of want to see how this ends. It had like a real uh, Death Star vibe, you know, like one little bomb is going to kill a celestial just because you I don't know. I, I'm not I'm obviously Star Wars has done that three times and it's been discussed every single time how stupid it is. But then they do it in the same. I don't know, in another Disney property. Like, I don't, I don't know. I agree. And then one like really small thing, Gamora, she was like carrying a ship's giant gun walking toward Nebula. I think that was really stupid. I think it was supposed to be cool, but I hated that little. Yeah, I'm going to carry a giant warship's weapon as I walk towards you. Yeah. Also, that's another thing that happens in movies a lot. People take a gun from like a ship or something and then fire it. How do you fire it? There's no like trigger. There's no mechanism to fire it. How can you carry that giant gun? Well, I mean, she's super strong, so I understand that part. But just oh. yeah. I mean, there's another part. She fell like a thousand feet, and she's like, "Oh, I'm good." Yeah, we'll I thought about that too. Yeah. Um, I agree. The worst one is the last one. I like at one point because I had like paused it and then finished the movie another day. And I paused it like right before the fight started, and then when yeah. I pressed play, I was like, "Oh my gosh, there's 45 minutes left of this movie." And I know what's going to happen, and it's all going to be the fight scene. <laughs> yeah. All right, missed opportunities. What do you got for missed opportunities? Um, I said I had a horrible one. Um, So I assume <laughs> the Ravagers will be in later movies, probably Guardians of Galaxy 3, just because they have an end credit scene. But I thought it would have been really cool if they kind of, like, teamed up and helped everyone in Infinity War and Endgame. That would have been cool. They were in Endgame. They were. Tiny little parts so for forgivable to be missed. But if you look in the final scene where people are flying in, you see Ravagers. Oh. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, but having like a, a big role or like actually like pointing out that hey, there's Ravagers here, that would have been welcome, you know. My only real missed opportunity was the the just the fact that they focused on the humor rather than the emotion. This the storyline was really, really good. The plot, I think, was perfect. I love the the acting was really good. Like, Chris Pratt was on fire. I think this is the best acting movie I've ever seen with him. Because he's, like, 
you know, he's a good actor and he's, he's more of a blockbuster star and that he like looks cool and has good comedic timing and everything. But his yeah. action, his like dramatic chops in this one were on fire. Uh, that scene though, where um, Ego's talking about how terrible it felt to have to go back and he didn't want to go back to a planet without uh, without the woman he loved. And Chris Pratt says, I know exactly what that feels like. I had to watch her die. That was like the best acting I've ever seen out of it, right? Just yeah. that single line. I had that in, I had that written down somewhere and then I took it off, but yeah, I love that. I love that. And it answered all the questions we had from the first one. Like, it all told, really good movie, but the humor, like, it just was inserted so poorly, I think, into the drama. It, it almost ruined the movie for me. And that that's the only missed opportunity you have because all of, I say this, I think with the sequel, a lot of missed opportunities could come from the first one where they didn't finish the storyline, but they did. They yeah. answered every question we have. They, so the only missed opportunity for me was the fact that they just didn't make the movie have the right tone. And that's it. I agree. Cool. Now it's time for useless trivia. You go first. All right. I've got quite a few. So first, Zach Levi was in the final running for the role of Peter Quill. Hmm. Fun fact. Um, also, so James Gunn said that with the first film, he didn't get that many complaints of like, they changed it and now it sucks from the comics, except for Yondu's head fin, which is why when he like loses the first one and he gets a new one, it looks more like the comic books. Yeah. Uh, just because everyone kind of hated that it didn't look like the comics. I think um, so few people knew who Yondu was. Even Ricky like barely knew who Yondu was, so... <laughs> I don't know. That's a very niche person who's complaining about Yandu. That's funny, though. They made an impact. Clearly. Um, Dave Bautista's makeup was cut from four hours for the first movie to 90 minutes for this one. And he had to sit in a sauna to sweat, up, sweat off all the makeup at the end of each day. Oh, dang. And then, but Gamora's makeup, like, nothing changed. And it was still really painful for her when they had to take it off. Um, Matthew McConaughey was initially offered the role of Ego before Kurt Russell. And that would have been I, very different. That would have been completely different. And when he, when he was asked why he turned it down, he said, I like Guardians of the Galaxy, but what I saw was it's successful. And now we've got room to make a colorful part for another big name actor. And I feel like I would be an, an amendment. So he pretty much just didn't do it because he wanted to actually more than just a big name cool i dig that and then my last one is so both gamora and drax talk about how they're just not dancers you know like that's kind of a big thing about peter and gamora not fitting well together um but it's funny because both of their actors are former dancers zoe saldana was um a professional ballet dancer and bautista was a break dancer I didn't know that about Bautista. I did say that actually about Gamora in the first one with Ricky with uh, Zoe Saldana, but that's I didn't know anything about Dave Bautista dancing. That's funny. And he was a break dancer. <laughs> I just find that funny. <laughs> like, can you imagine Drax just break dancing? I can imagine Jack's <laughs> I can imagine Drax break dancing. <laughs> that should have been a scene in the uh the Christmas special, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple. Uh, so Ego, the Living Planet, he was part of uh, Gunn's original script, but they didn't have the rights. They were part of Fox's rights because he's a silver. He's more of a Silver Surfer bad guy. He's actually not 
Peter Quill's father in the comics. Uh, so they oh. just kind of mess that, not mess that up, but, you know, change that a little bit. But he's more of a Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four guy who is owned by uh, Fox. So they asked Fox to get the rights for it. Fox wasn't going to use it. They said, yeah, in exchange for a little bit of more freedom with the Deadpool movie. So Deadpool came out a little bit because of, of this one. That's interesting. interesting. Taserface in the comics. He is a warrior from a cybernetically enhanced race of people called the Stark. Can you guess why they're called the Stark? Tony Stark? Yes, they're an alien race founded on a on uh, Iron Man technology that accidentally crashed on their planet. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. So Chris Pratt's dad died in 2014 while filming Jurassic World. Uh, and he said he never really got a chance to deal with that. And he said this movie really helped him deal with it because you know, there's a lot of father figure stuff in this one between Yandu and Ego. So that was, that was interesting. That's nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, second most important question of the day. Can you skip it in your MCU rewatch? I go to you first. Um, you could, <laughs> technically. Um, you might be lost on like certain relationship dynamics and character developments for Infinity War and Endgame. But it's really not that necessary for setting up any other movies, um, just because it's kind of off in its own little thing. Yeah, I said absolutely. Like, I think the first one is pretty skippable because they get introduced fine in Infinity War for people who, I mean, they get introduced to the characters. They get introduced to this storyline, too. And this one even more so because it's just a sequel to The Guardians. You can 100% go from the first to Infinity War and miss really nothing except for who Mantis is. Um, there's a couple of lines, like he says, like, I, I fought my dad who turned out to be a god and I'd kill him, so, you know. But it doesn't really add anything to the overarching series. Yeah. Um, and I then think- most important question, where does it rank? We've got four levels. We've got Pantheon, Awesome, Dig It, and Skippable. Now, this doesn't necessarily be skippable. doesn't mean it's a skippable movie, like you can skip it. It just means does it suck. Does this movie suck, or is it in Pantheon, or somewhere in between? Um, you're going to disagree with me. I say Pantheon. <laughs> what? <laughs> Holy it is smokes! One of my, it is one of my favorite movie, favorite Marvel movies. I think it's so funny. It's great storyline, great character development, great acting, and I just think I love it so much. Oh, yeah, I firmly disagree. I think that is a very <laughs> subjective ranking, right? Yeah. That's well, cool. I love this movie. <laughs> That's cool. I try to go objective, and I mean, you can do what you want. I'm the, I'm the host, so I have to be more objective, I feel like. Yeah. So, like, you know, Multiverse of Madness, I that's one of my three great, I, it might be my favorite MCU movie, but I'm not going to put it in Pantheon because I think that, that'd be ridiculous. Um, but I like that you had the balls to put this movie in the Pantheon. So do you have it above the first one? Yeah. Yeah, you think this one's better than the I love Arnold? this movie. It's Clearly. So I'm glad that, because I've I've put you on the two worst movies in the MCU you going did. into this one. And then I